0: Hello, my name is Junius Williams, your host on the podcast Everything's Political. This is our third season, and we're dealing with a topic I call Where's the Money? Not Where is the Money, which may be used in other circles, but in our parlance, Where's the Money? And so we're going to recognize the importance of money and politics but this time with people who are not traditionally associated with that commodity throughout the American experience. And so, Francesca, I call this one the new money, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and things like that. Things I never even heard of when I was your age. What do you think?
1: I barely have a grasp on this and I feel like I should, and I should know more than I do. And I think back to what I thought at the time in 2015, I got married and I got a wedding gift from one of my husband's high school friends and he gave us $40 worth of Bitcoin and it was in 2015 and we just made fun of him and we're like, what is this gift? Who is this dude Couldn't he have just gotten us something off of our registry? Of course, it was that, that's naughty. But it turns out that that was the best gift from the wedding. And I don't fully understand why. I don't understand how we got to this place. But I also wish that I had known more at the time. And I don't know how I would have known more. I don't know where I would have gotten that information from. But I want folks who are listening to our podcast to have the opportunity to learn about cryptocurrency and learn about it in a way that we don't feel like we get taken advantage of because right now on the flip side of that is I also feel like I'm getting DMS every day in my Instagram about buying into a new kind of crypto. And that feels a little bit scary. It feels risky, but I also don't want to miss out. What should we know?
0: Yeah. When I first heard about it, I thought it was a game. I thought it was play money. I associated with monopoly. It was always nice to have monopoly in your living room and you felt rich, but it wasn't real money. This was something called cryptocurrency. It seemed like it was fun, but I wonder if when you depend upon it to make a living or to record your wealth as a statement of how wealthy you are, I wonder how much uh, fun... You're really having. I've been following this uh, whole uh, story of something called FTX. And a young man who was a a real genius, 30-year-old entrepreneur, built a crypto exchange called FTX. He turned that into a $32 billion company. And now, after a few weeks, it seems like it's all gone. Or is it really gone? I really don't know. So let's talk to some of our guests here. We've got two guests who who are well-versed in this. Since we are really talking about this from the standpoint of community, particularly communities of color, does cryptocurrency add stability to build community? And... What about the fact that it really has no rules, apparently? Can this really be useful to build the kind of politics that we want to see? So I'm going to introduce our guest here, and then we're going to let them talk about it. The first person, who I'm very happy to have met some time ago, but now we're engaged in conversation, his name is Anthony Avent. He is CEO of a nonprofit called Make Me a Prodigy, with a focus on sports development and financial literacy. Anthony is also a blockchain cryptocurrency educator and investor in cryptocurrency. Now, Some of you may recognize his name in another context. Certainly my son's did. Uh, he is a former National Basketball Association superstar with the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic, and a member of the Seton Hall University Final Four NCAA Championship runner-up team. That's quite a variety of hats. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you, and it's a pleasure being here with you all, and I'm happy to be here and share as much information as possible. And our other guest is Lisa Arrington. She's Director of Software Research and Development for a mobile bank super app. She is a philanthropist, an investor and trader, a fashion and beauty model where she has appeared on several nationally syndicated television shows and in several national nationwide magazines. She is also a mother, and I know her mother. She discovered the world of cryptocurrency by way of a magazine article called What is Bitcoin back in 2009? So I'm gonna start with you, Lisa. We're gonna start with you. We're gonna ask you lots of questions because I'm sure most of the people out there are kind of like Francesca and I. What is Bitcoin?
2: Well, greetings and thank you for having me on your show. To describe Bitcoin, I have to first take a step back and describe what is cryptocurrency. So if you will allow me, I'm going to read an actual definition so that there is absolute clarity with regard to these instruments. So cryptocurrency is sometimes called cryptocurrency or crypto. It's a form of currency that exists digitally or virtually and uses cryptography. Cryptography is coding to secure transactions. Cryptocurrency doesn't have central issuing like a bank or financial institution nor does it observe regulations. Instead, using decentralized systems to record transactions issued in units. Cryptocurrency is a standard currency used for making or receiving payments on a blockchain. One such cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. The Bitcoin is a virtual currency designed to act like money for forms of payment outside of the control of any one person, group, or entity thus removing the need for third-party involvement, which means banks, financial institutions, et cetera.
0: Okay, can I stop you right there? Because I want us to get into more of those definitions. I'm glad you did that. And I want to ask Anthony Avent, you're an educator in this field. How would you break that down for the average non-user to understand what it is you're talking about?
3: I would probably break it down by saying under the traditional system we live in, a fiat currency, it is supported and backed by the credit and good faith of the United States government. Prior to that, it was backed by gold. Gold is what gave fiat its value. Now we use the credit and the faith of the US government to give it its value. In the space of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, it's the technology that gives it this value. It's backed by technology. And that technology, we call it blockchain technology. There's things that technology can do the traditional system can't do. It's a built-in recorded ledger, so it allows all transactions to be visible for all to see. Immutable, it can't be altered, changed. It lives on in existence. It's like Lisa said, it's decentralized. Therefore, no one entity or person can control it. It's really the community's money now. There's no central bank. There's no IMF. There's no Fed. There's no president that can stop it or halt it. So it's really designed to free the
0: people. And for the first time, give you complete control over your money. So let me interrupt you again, because see, you guys are used to this and, I want to break in a little bit. I want to use short sentences with this and short phrases because people (laughs) don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to try to play lawyer on you at this point. So if I wanted to come up with something called Bitcoin, since you said it's the people's money, doesn't have to do anything with the government. I'm not down there in Kentucky or wherever it is. They make this money for the United States. I wanted to make some cryptocurrency. I could just say, here's some. Julius Williams dollars,
3: and I would say, what is it backed by? What gives it its value, other than the fact you created this Julius Williams coin? What actually gives it? What gives it value?
0: I'm good on the computer, and I just made it up. Well,
3: someone like me wouldn't invest in your crypto, but I'll invest in Bitcoin because Bitcoin has it's in their code would it only be 21 million of these particular coins. It's also built in the coin where not only is it decentralized and no one man can control it or rule over it, it's the people, the community, the world community that said, we like this. We want this. And when the people all say they want something and like something, it instantly gives it value. No different than someone's home or or purse or a pair of shoes. If the people don't want it, the value is very low to no value.
0: Okay. Well, th- this Junius Williams coin, I'm pretty popular on Facebook. And I got my friend over here with... uh Elon Musk. Yes, I know Elon, and he's going to shoot me a word of success out there. So I'm going to have... A million people saying, yeah, 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 it's popular. How does that change my life?
2: If I may, if I can step in. If you understand the function of the traditional stock market, essentially it, it works very similarly. So the stock market is made of companies that have a product, a service, and the company becomes public and it offers shares, Well, Bitcoin or or cryptocurrency is essentially the same thing. They are products, they are services, they are companies that have some value. They're an asset. And so in order to make a cryptocurrency, you're either a company, you're either a utility or service that has value. So essentially it is a payment form that is pegged by some sort of value,
0: if that provides more clarity. You look like you want to say something there. Man, Jessica.
1: I just have questions. I have questions because I've never trusted the stock market. It makes me a little bit nervous. And I think it, I don't trust it because I feel like I have to be involved in it all the time to understand what's going on. From your perspective, is cryptocurrency something that we should treat like the stock market or should we be
2: treating it like our savings account? Like the stock market. My belief is everybody should be in the stock market because when you're in a stock market, you begin to understand how money, everything is transactional and how money influences everything in our lives. It influences government, politics, culture, trends, everything in our lives. But it is a vehicle that requires a lot of education and consistency, but you can then see how money is traveling and how, The news reports on things where money really is at the root of whatever that story is because it is influencing certain issues
3: and trends. So when you look at the space of the stock market, for example, I look at Bitcoin as gold. So we look at gold as something that's been adhered to for centuries as real money, God's money, graded out of the earth. Then when we look at the stock market, we look at everything in the stock market, whether it's Tesla, whether it's Amazon, as something that was pretty much created. And there's a stock in which you can buy those shares. That's how I look at cryptocurrencies, because there's thousands of cryptocurrencies. But in this space, we look at Bitcoin as a digital version of gold, because it's a fixed amount can't be altered or changed. It's supposed to be a hedge against inflation. It's supposed to be something the government can't control, can't confiscate from you. It's supposed to be
0: sound money. Well, in that case, if I, and, and I want to go back to my favorite cryptocurrency, which is the Junius Williams coin. Mm-hmm. It seems the only difference between what you're saying is that you all got out there first. And now everybody thinks that that is the goal. But I'm going to tell you that mine is just as good. And Elon Musk says it's just as good. Elon Musk says you must have it. Now, as that grows in popularity, isn't that just the same thing?
3: Well, I will call your coin a cryptocurrency by which maybe you're offering something to the people to want to own this. Whether it's some type of information or knowledge that you're only privileged to in order to access this knowledge from you, they would have to own your cryptocurrency. So we have a lot of cryptocurrencies that provides a specific utility that people need, whether it's moving transactions at lightning speed across the world, whether it's using the internet or NFTs, things of that nature. But Bitcoin specifically, was coded for one main reason, to be immutable, to separate and eliminate government control, a finite amount, 21 million coins only, and it was coded and designed to simply be a currency. It wasn't designed for a thousand other reasons. It was designed to replace gold and free people from the grips of their government.
2: And it was the initial coin that converts U.S. dollars or fiat currency into cryptocurrency and vice versa.
0: But, is, you know, I, you have to excuse me because I just want to jump in on this conversation so much because here's the words that are used: Implosion of trusted exchange takes cryptocurrency faithful. That's an article that appeared in The New York Times. Don't we want the government to control currency? Don't we want some kind of control of currency so that when you put your money into it, let's say I'm the uh the teachers union, the York teachers union and I listen to Anthony Avent and he says, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a finite amount of resources. It's going up in value. But now here we have a opportunity to see what happened when there's no control over that. It's just everybody's for himself. And the thing just went bust. My money, teachers money. I can't get my pension. What's going to happen to me? I'm old. So,
3: just to backtrack a little bit, well, I don't want government to control my currency because if we go back to the 20s, during the Great Depression, the government took everybody's gold that they put in the bank And said, no, you cannot exchange your fiat for gold anymore because they knew the real money, the real value was gold. And then in the 70s, they took us off the gold standard so they would never have to give back the gold. So, no, I don't want a government depleting my savings and my wealth by using their own system to just print money, make up their own rules and regulations and destroy our wealth. So if we all remember, the value of a $1 dollar in 1920 or 1930 is a far cry from what it's worth today. But that's because the government had control of the currency. So many people's savings is pretty much wiped out because we allow a certain group of people to make all the decisions regarding our lives. But in the meantime, the government is sitting on trillions of dollars worth of gold all around the world. And at this present moment, they are all revaluating their true wealth in gold and in silver. Meanwhile, the people forfeited theirs over to the government because they wanted the government to have control. So the government got control now. I don't want that system.
1: So I have questions about this people that we talk about, the people and the government. Because this keeps coming up in in my conversations with friends about cryptocurrency, and we keep talking about the people are in control. Mhm. How do I know it's not the same people that have been in control? Because I know that the way that people find the people find out about cryptocurrency is th- frequently through the media, through social media, through other forms of communication. And there is a people that controls that and controls access to that. There's people that controls wealth and people that controls policies around cryptocurrency and what's taxable and what's not taxable and how the government makes decisions about that. So how can I trust these people or this group of the people more than I can, the government.
3: So I think it, it requires, like anything, it requires you doing a lot of research and understanding the space. No different if you was going to get into banking or putting your money in a bank. You want to understand how banks operate, who's in control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So in this space, we have what we call in cryptocurrency, we have what we call truly decentralized cryptocurrencies and and, and non-centralized cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is a truly decentralized cryptocurrency because of the way all transactions are not just recorded, but it's the computer power of the masses of people all over the world who has to verify those transactions, not one individual, one person, but then there are actually cryptocurrencies where there is a CEO. There is a body of people who makes the decisions regarding those particular cryptocurrencies, such as an XRP. So as you become more educated, you'll understand what cryptocurrencies are truly decentralized versus a cryptocurrency where a group of people in the back office can now determine what they want to do, how they want to change it as time goes on. And Bitcoin, you can't change it. Once it's been coded, it's coded. No one can go and change the system. No one can decide tomorrow we're going to make $22 No one can decide tomorrow we're going to change it from proof of work to proof of stake.
0: So this group called FTX, was that one of those other kinds of currencies that you're talking about? Cause, uh, I see here that they decided Mr. Bankman Freed, that was his name, the guy who responsible for growing this. He went over to the government, the hated government and said, Hey, we want to register for the stock market. So he was having discussions with the, uh, what is it? The FTC?
3: Yep. The FCC, everybody.
0: SEC. He was having discussions. So I mean, isn't that delivering all of this free money to the government control? So that's a cryptocurrency, but that's something that
3: I would understand is controlled, is centralized. So I would walk in with my eyes wide open, knowing this one man influences this entire FTX platform and the cryptocurrency under it, and I know any decision he makes will affect me. And he can alter change. And that's what he did. He had complete control. If it was a decentralized cryptocurrency, he could not have done those things.
1: So if I were to take the relationship to the stock market back to the forefront, a centralized cryptocurrency is more
2: similar to investing in a stock? Correct. Okay. Let me let's me just preface with FTX, the situation with FTX. The issue is... People don't do their due diligence and did not really research to understand that FTX was a very new, young company. It had a very suspicious alleged, let me just blanketly say alleged for every comment that I make, alleged had a very weak board and their C staff, their chief staffs were very suspect. So they attracted a lot of novice investors who are very influenced by trends, by whoever is promoting the coin, et cetera, et cetera, and all jumped on that exchange and did not really do their research to see the efficacy of how that exchange really operates. There are a lot of those. And it also happens in the traditional stock market world. Hedge funds also have that. So it's not a unique thing to cryptocurrency. It's just that because of social media and because of the federal government really trying to sabotage cryptocurrency, it's in the news. So when things like this happen with hedge funds, it's not really reported. So it's really a scare tactic, alleged. But it happens and I have to repeat, in any kind of investment situation, whether it's traditional investing or crypto investing, you have to do your research. You have to investigate the companies Who's attached to the companies, how long it's been doing business, and how effective it is. So, that is my biggest warning that I just want to blanket and add to this podcast. But with everything, you know, we have to stop really watching mainstream news and we have to really widen our focus and look at and read and read thoroughly information to understand exactly what is happening.
3: To back up what Lisa said, what he did was just. Outright fraud. So it wouldn't matter what company it is. If you decide to take investor funds and just do what you choose to do with it, no matter what regulations are in front of you, if you just want to commit fraud, anyone can do that. And there should be repercussions for it. But what he did, there is no safeguard around for it because he just said, I'm going to blankly commit fraud because he's in control of the company. And he didn't have the guardrails in place, whether it was a board that would say, no, you can't do that without the sign off of all board members. That wasn't in place. So he just committed straight up fraud. And how was he able to get by the SEC and other smart people who actually invested in the company? That's a whole different conversation for another day, because I think it was something far more sinister At play to bring down the crypto market to put it in the hands of the banks and to allow regulations to come in where the people in the past, we didn't want this space regulated because we didn't want the government saying what you can and cannot do. But in order to get the government to come in in a willing manner, we needed to show that this place is the wild, wild west and you need us as the government to come in and give you these regulations and push the masses back to the bank to custody cryptocurrency. And so instead of you being decentralized, where you are the owner of your cryptocurrency, it's now really the illusion you're the owner because it's really in the custody of the banks.
0: So what is the safeguard? What is the safety rail for people who are using Bitcoin? Knowledge first, understanding the space,
3: understanding the knowledge. And once you understand that, you'll start understanding what we call a wallet, a coal wallet, a ledger, the ability to put this Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies on a ledger. And that ledger is basically your Wells Fargo. It's your Bank of America. You can take it anywhere you want. There's no intermediary that can come and take it. You can't just type something up on the computer and say, you know what? I'm going to take Anthony's Bitcoin. No, you can't. It's in my custody. Just like some people have their cash in their home versus in the bank in fear that the bank could just close the doors or just not return your cash for whatever the reason is. Whether it's the the, the bail-in law, whatever the reason is. So people would take cash and say, no, I'm not putting my money in the bank. I'm putting it under my mattress. Well, that's our way of saying I'm not putting my money in your hand. I'm going to put it in my cold wallet. And only I got access to this.
2: So a cold wallet is like a safe or like a safe deposit box. So you actually take your cryptocurrency information off of your computer and off of your exchange. So it's essentially like a
1: a safe. We haven't even gotten too deep into this piece of it, but I've heard of the crypto thefts. Oh, yes. Oh, you're showing
0: this is your safe.
3: This is my cold wallet. This is my safe. I could take it anywhere in the world log in, and my wealth is with me.
2: So for those who can't see, it looks like a thumb drive.
3: So if I was living in a hostile nation where my money is in the bank and I decide to leave, they have the ability to freeze my account in the bank and say, you can go, but your money can't follow you. Well, if my money was on one of these things, I can go anywhere in the world, my money will be with me. So that's what it is. We call it a ledger. And this is what gives me true freedom. Cause I've never had true freedom because if my money is tied up in the bank, they could just, someone of higher power could say, you know what? Don't like what he's saying. Don't like what he's doing. Okay. Freeze his account.
1: Mm, okay. So this is more similar to keeping your gold under your floorboards.
3: And the reason why I say Bitcoin is new gold. Because who's going to walk around with a million dollars worth of gold coins wherever they go around the world or $10 million or whatever your wealth is? But I can put a $100 million worth of Bitcoin on this thing right here and go anywhere and transact.
0: Well, suppose people don't take Bitcoin. Is it... I mean, I guess it would be the same thing as having uh, your wealth substantially tied up into real estate. How are you going to convert that into cash? So the beauty of it is most
3: all places around the world will accept your Bitcoin. It is widely accepted. But because of this thing we call stable coins, I can take this wallet and I can transact a portion of that Bitcoin into U.S. DT or USDC, which is a United States digital coin, and then transfer that money right back into my bank account in a matter of, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute. So I can play in between the crypto world and the fiat world in a matter of seconds.
2: And Bitcoin is convertible. You can convert Bitcoin back to cash or fiat or currencies. And you can buy Bitcoin with fiat currency.
3: That's the stable
1: coins. I remember seeing an episode of The Good Wife way back in the day. And one of the cases was a cryptocurrency related Bitcoin case. And I should have paid more attention. Speaking about paying attention and Lisa, you mentioned earlier about us needing to educate ourselves and read and learn and It sounds like this is something that we continuously need to be doing. What are we supposed to be reading? What are we supposed to be listening to? Is it traditional Wall Street Journal or is there a set of blogs? Do we just need to get on Lisa's
2: newsletter? Well, Lisa doesn't have a newsletter yet, but are you uh, suggesting? Maybe I should. (laughs) 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 I started... Like in my intro, I'm just a a curious person. I'm just that kind of animal. And back in 2009, it was a Times article. What is Bitcoin? And so I just started reading. And from there, I just started doing my own research. And so it's not any particular blog that I subscribe to or YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube. But one particular YouTube channel that I essentially follow it's just that I watch and I write down and I research. And so that's basically how I have really immersed myself. I consider myself having a PhD now, self, self-taught myself, really the world. But my direction, because of my company and my position, I'm more into the technology. So the blockchain, web three things like that. What is that? Blockchain. Blockchain is the transactional mechanism. It's the payment rail used to facilitate cryptocurrencies. So just like you have Visa, MasterCard, and you purchase, say, a hamburger from McDonald's, there is a back office that makes that transaction happen. And typically, there are four or five companies in that back office that are making that transaction happen for Visa or MasterCard. And each one of those companies have to take a percentage of what you're buying to get paid. Well, with blockchain, it's the one technology that facilitates that transaction. So it makes, therefore, purchasing power much cheaper, much quicker. It happens in real time or near time. And it is it goes both ways. So if you purchase or return, your monies are transacted in real time purchasing something, or if you're returning something, then your money's returned to you in real time. So you don't have to wait, what, seven days, you know, for reimbursements when you try to return something to the store.
3: In other words, people used to do it.
0: Let me ask you another question along that line. So you're saying if I put up my MasterCard, where would I put it up? And isn't my money, my regular U.S. dollars going somewhere? And it's then transferred into Bitcoin? Yes. Where does it go?
2: So you register yourself onto an exchange and you attach your credit card. Typically, it's your debit card. I don't think they take credit cards. Some exchanges and your bank account. And you have to go through a series of steps of what they call KYC. Know your customer. It's a security clarifying mechanism to officially clarify that you say you are who you are because there are no other mediators involved with your account. You are the only one that's involved with your account making these transactions. So there's no bank and there's no financial institution making these transactions. So there has to be this real significant security apparatus to secure your transactions while you're on the exchange. So some typical exchanges that most people are familiar with are Coinbase, Binance, and even Cash App has a very limited exchange. PayPal is getting into it, and there could be a couple of others.
3: The reason they want the KYC is the same reason the banks do it. Is to be regulated as an exchange in the United States, they want a know your customer KYC, because they want to know what you're doing so i use certain exchanges that's not american-based exchange where i don't have to use a kyc so the reason they would know me is through email we call it 2fa authentication and my phone so in order to identify me you would need to know my password my username you would then have to have access to my email address or my phone to type back in those codes and then my Google 2FA authentication code in order to access that account. But that's going back to being what the whole platform was originally designed for, to be decentralized, where no one can look and see what Anthony is actually doing. But in order to utilize these platforms in the U.S. Well, they say, no, these exchanges needs to be regulated. We need to know who you are. Not so much because of fraud, but because the government wants to know who you are and what are you doing. So if you bought a certain amount of Bitcoin, we know on this date, bought a million dollars worth of Bitcoin or Coinbase. Now you can take it off of Coinbase but we do know you
0: purchased it. Well, I'm going to ask that question. Then that we started with, where's the money? Where does the money go? Yeah. The money goes to some of the usual transactional folks. Like you may not call it a bank, but it's a bank. It's a clearing house. It's going to take money from MasterCard and it's going to apply it to your account. However, guarded your account and personal it is, my money is going to that account which is governed by the usual suspects. So let's just take Bitcoin
3: for example because it has to be mined and it's it's energy consumption. So when it's mined so I can set up equipment all through my house to mine, Bitcoin it's going to be very, very costly in utilizing energy but as I mine it I mine these Bitcoins, I can then sell these Bitcoins on the open market through over-the-counter exchanges or I can put them on regulated exchanges. The value of the Bitcoin is predicated on what is the total amount available and how much is being consumed. The more that's being consumed, the higher the price go because there's a small amount left. So it's supply and demand. Supply and demand determines the value. So as the value goes up, if I'm the miner that created this Bitcoin, on the back end, I'm creating more wealth. So if you set up these hardware systems in your own home and you mine Bitcoin and it's 21 million, now there's only 2 million left to be sold. And if you're able to mine it, you're able to amass a certain amount of fortune because you created it using that power of that energy and that technology and those computer systems. So it's like anything is a supply and demand. The money goes to the person who's applying those resources to mine those Bitcoins, as well as the exchanges.
1: Is something that we should be talking then more about is how to mine for Bitcoin? Is that something that our community should be looking at in a either an individual way or a community-based way?
3: So that is the next level of something I've been very adamant about because we asked, how does cryptocurrency impact the community? How does it help free us and create wealth in our community? This is the first time that the average person can actually create wealth, create currency. We can't sit in a back office and create fiat dollars and make up $100 bills. We go to prison. But if we are able to buy the actual technology, we can actually become miners in certain cryptocurrencies and mine them coins and create wealth in the community. So that is very true. And that is something that I've been passionate about in terms of the education part. But um how does this information get to the people? Going back to your original question, how do you access this information? Well, I look at it like this. I was having some issues with my car, and I didn't want to go to the shop because I knew I was about to pay through my arm. So I just started Googling, YouTubing, how do I fix this? And the more and more I dug, the more and more information I was able to access. This is the same space. If you're seeking the knowledge, you'll find it. Most people aren't gonna seek the knowledge because first they're not looking for it. Two, the moment you hear the word Bitcoin, well, what is a Bitcoin? And what is it about a Bitcoin that's gonna make me now go home and want to spend countless hours figuring this out? We don't. And because it's not mainstream news or mainstream media that's forced in our head every day like a song or a TV show is not triggering those thoughts every day. Every day, well, okay, I need to go figure this out because they talk about this every day, every day, every day. Now they're starting to, but mining has become much harder. New York just instituted a law where you will not be able to mine in the state of New York because it's a fight between This new technology and the old traditional system of the banking system that says, no, we don't want you over here. We need you to stay over here where we have control of you. We don't want you guys becoming free and creating your own thing. You're hurting us over here. You're hurting this system that we created where we have the power. So they're going to fight it every which way they can until they have complete control over it and they have the banking system set up where now they've earned the trust and the faith of the people to say, this is good for you. This is a great technology. You should own cryptocurrency and you should own it through us. JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, PNC is now regulated by the government and this is a great technology that's going to usher in jobs. It's going to make money move 365 days, 24 hours, seven days a week. It's going to do all these wonderful things and the people are going to flood in, and they're going to all own cryptocurrency because when the government decides to flip the switch and bring in a new system, they have all the tools to usher the people in.
1: So I heard something that very much applies to everything that we talk about on this podcast. And it's the politics involved in money. It's the politics involved in our communities. So outside of the news, we need to be paying attention to policy right now, it sounds like.
3: Absolutely.
1: What laws are getting passed, what regulations are going into place, either in our local communities as well as on the state level. This is not just a federal conversation right now.
3: I think that's something that me and Lisa does often, and she informs me as well. I spend most of my time on the show, Lisa does. We pay attention to regulations now. We're not so much focused on actual cryptocurrency. We understand that. We're now looking at lawmakers globally as well as local. Okay, Lisa, I'm sorry.
1: All right, I need to be on this newsletter, Lisa. So if it doesn't exist yet, I want to be on the private one. But tell us more (laughs) about what we for.
2: When Junius and Anthony and I had a talk a couple of weeks ago, I had introduced a new policy that's implemented called the Fed Now. I'm sure most people don't know about it, but in mid-2023, the federal government is now going to be in your bank account. They are going to be the clearinghouse, the settlement agency between your transactions. So when again, you go to McDonald's and buy a hamburger and you use your debit card or your credit card, Federal Reserve is making that transaction for you. How many people know about that?
3: Well, it's unfortunate on one hand and The unfortunate part is everything Lisa just said. The fortunate part was if you're going back to as early as 2012, as late as I want to say 2019, 20. I thought it was a great opportunity and time for the people, quote unquote, the people, the community, to really access and understand this space so you can get in and position yourself. So as all these changes take place, I'm someone who's going to be part of this new system that the government puts in place. I won't be able to avoid it, but there's also a side of me that will be outside that system. Because I was able to get in early enough, understand it, and position myself so I can operate outside and inside the system. Most people will be operating, the majority of people will operate inside the system. But for my people specifically, I was very adamant about spreading the word as much as I can to educate them, to show them how for the first time, at least in my lifetime, that they can actually create wealth, create true wealth. And I'm kind of at the space now where most are going to miss that opportunity and we're going to be right back in the system. But this is the one time where the very average person, you don't need to have any means of wealth. You could have created wealth. It was almost like investing in in a particular stock before they became an IPO. Where Google or Amazon came to you and said, Hey man, I got this great company. This is what we're doing. And I can sell you a hundred shares for a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. And when we go public, it's going to be worth God knows what, but we couldn't plan that game. You had to be an A and accredited investor or you had to be part of this inside hedge fund that they go to. Cryptocurrency was the first one to say, hey, I got this great tool, this great technology. It's going to revolutionize this, da-da-da-da. And guess what? You could get in. It's only going to cost you 13 cents a coin or two cents a coin. And you're like, well, I've got 13 cents. Let me buy a $1,000 worth. And as the world on boards and start using this technology, you become very, very wealthy. Well, they didn't want us in that space. And they're taking it over. And, it's, and the time is sort of running out now in terms of not so much just telling people about it, but educating them when they're comfortable enough in their own space and skin to say, I understand this. I'm going in. Because if you don't understand it, it doesn't matter
0: what I'm talking about. So how does one go in at this point since there's only $2 million worth of Bitcoin left? Well, it's not
3: just the Bitcoin. There's other cryptocurrencies that have tremendous utility that is going to impact and change infrastructure, institutions, governments, etc. But it's understanding that and it really takes a community effort to be able to get this information out. Otherwise, only thing I can do is pass the information to willing ears, friends and family members who then are able to pass it on to their friends and family members want to listen, but it really takes a community effort and the right resources to really educate the people.
2: Let me say that, yes, there is a limited amount of Bitcoin that's available, but it is having in twenty late 2023 or 2024, just like uh, stock splits. So there will open up the availability. It's also
3: fractionalized. So you don't have to own one whole Bitcoin because if a whole Bitcoin is worth 16,000 a day and you don't have 16,000, you could buy $200 worth of it because it's fractionalized. The same way a dollar is broken down into 99, 100 pennies. You could buy 20 cents of that dollar. Well, you can buy a fraction of that
0: Bitcoin. Well, isn't that the same way as saying we're actually going to have more than the original amount that was established as being the final number of Bitcoins. It will still be 21
3: million in total. It's just that it's, each Bitcoin can be broken down into fractions. And if I'm not mistaken, one Bitcoin could be broken down into, I want to say, one million Satoshis, fractionalized in terms of one million Satoshis. But that $1 million to Satoshi still only equals one Bitcoin.
0: So, Lisa, you and I were talking about the community and how all of this conversation impacts the community. You gave us a little snippet of what you said the government's going to be doing with our money. But it seems to me the government is already regulating the money we have. I mean, you can't go into a bank without giving them everything about yourself. And the government certainly has access to the bank record. So they know how much money you have in each account. Certainly the IRS knows that. And they can follow you all over the world. What is it about the Bitcoin process that's any different?
2: Well, like uh, Anthony has already presented, that it's decentralized. So the government is not in that. It's not in our wallets to be able to track what we have in our wallet, how much we are Purchasing, paying for whatever item that we are deciding to purchase. So it's this decentralized component of it that creates the uniqueness of it.
0: But you said that there was some movement coming on board in 2023 that was going to – maybe I misunderstood you.
2: Well, the Fed now – the Fed now was in your your regular bank account. So it's, it's going to be that transactional vehicle That facilitates your purchases. The Federal Reserve will be the ones that are facilitating that. So essentially they are setting themselves up to be an efficient transactional vehicle, actually using blockchain technology to facilitate their process. So Anthony had mentioned XRP. XRP is that blockchain facility, which is a cryptocurrency. (laughs) So So we're seeing the beginnings of the integration of cryptocurrency into the fiat space. And then alleged, and following the Fed now, we're going to be looking at the potential of CBDCs, which are official currencies replacing fiat currencies with digital currencies.
3: So tap into what Lisa said. This is why I try to separate Bitcoin from cryptocurrencies. Because Bitcoin really was designed to have one real true function, and that is to be a version of digital gold to hedge against inflation, a safe haven. But these cryptocurrencies are technologies that do different things. They serve different functions in the case of what we're speaking on, XRP. But the underlying tone of all of this is blockchain technology. Bitcoin is a blockchain technology. XRP is built as a it's, a it's a blockchain technology. So Fed now is using a blockchain. And as you understand what a blockchain is, it's that ability for, it's that technology that allows them to record everything, move money at rapid speed around the world. You have to be on a blockchain in order to do that. Money is already digital. But the current digital system that we use cannot move money this way, this fast, on a recorded ledger, do all these things. You need blockchain technology. So we look to invest in those blockchain technologies that has that particular utility to allow the government, other institutions to be able to do these unique things, such as XRP.
1: Is there any regulation or policy we should be watching related to blockchain?
3: It's not so much rules and regulations related to blockchain as much as cryptocurrencies. Because no one can stop blockchain. It's really the cryptocurrencies, how we spend our money and transact to it.
2: Yeah, the blockchain is a utility. It's a, a vehicle that makes these transactions but when you're talking about regulations, it's really the moving of the crypto crypto back and forth in terms of the value that is assigned to it.
3: Bitcoin is just one thing in this whole space. It started it all out, all off to be sound money against government money. But this whole cryptocurrency thing where these great minds and technology started creating things to be better used for how we do things around the world, no matter what it is, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's the tracking of merchandise from one nation to another, whether it's how you're able to take your passport, driver's license, social security card, birth certificate, and put it all on an NFT, no more than a QR code that you scan at a grocery store, and everything about you pop up, so you don't need all this information, whether it's your medical records. You're able to put your medical records on a Q code and go anywhere and bring it up. It's a whole, this technology is the great, it's the fourth industrial revolution. It's just that thing that came along and it's going to change everything forever. It's technology. And technology is technology. It's science, it's math, it's all those things.
0: Well, we have certainly talked a lot and you all have educated tremendously. I'm very grateful to you for that. And I think our listeners as well. I want to really focus the fact that you have two people who are intellectually gifted who come to this from different worlds. And they educated themselves. So it really does show you what uh, folks can do when they just put their minds to it and concentrate on that whole thing. Called, uh, well, it's more than one thing you concentrate on when you're talking about Bitcoin, aren't you? You're talking about uh, wealth, but you're also talking about freedom of movement, of your wealth. Maybe that's something we all ought to think about. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back at you in another month with another exciting adventure in, as we answer the question, where's the money? Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. This is Junius Williams, your host on Everything's Political. Everything's Political podcast is sponsored by the Center for Education and Juvenile Justice and supported by the Terrell Foundation and listeners like you. It is produced by Mosaic Strategies, with theme music by Anthony Ant Jackson. Like what you hear? Subscribe to Everything's Political Podcast on Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for exclusive behind-the-scenes content.